Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's groundbreaking book, In This Together, landed on bookstore shelves with a powerful message. When we work together, we can do absolutely anything. Guidance from 40 women leaders with specific strategies to help women advance their careers makes In This Together even more relevant today, especially with the pandemic's impact on women in the workforce. Take your career to the next level with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly's In This Together, now available on audiobook. Download your copy today. I had started out my uh, career in advertising. I worked on General Motors at one of the best agencies uh, in New York. And it was super exciting, but I felt like advertising could do something more powerful and, and different. That's Kristen Carroll, the CEO of Rescue Agency, who wanted to use her skills to make healthier behaviors easier. So she quit my job at the under the duress or the misadvice of my parents, and I found another gig. I had seen in Adweek that the Office of National Drug Control Policy was going to be partnering with the Partnership for Drug-Free America. I wrote the head of the Partnership for Drug-Free America a letter and said, I want to work for you. And within two and a half months, I was there. Real problems. There's a huge amount of... uh, huge amount of talent and there's creative people in you know places like advertising agencies that want to do something more career journeys um and it really was all about how do we take all of this amazing science and understanding of how people behave and how do we build a business about it that can scale and they can also tackle different issues right and leadership lessons. Our, our definition of a real leader, particularly in the space that, that we sit within, is someone who's looking forward to the problems that haven't yet surfaced. You're listening to The Real Leaders Podcast to find out what motivates people beyond their chosen careers. On this episode 30 of The Real Leaders Podcast, Kristen Carroll walks us through the problems Rescue Agency is taking on, how to think like an effective marketer to mitigate and change long-term behaviors, and going beyond just advertising. What I think was so special about Kristen and the good people over at Rescue Agency is a rule that I think we all should follow, and that is to make sure that we are always grounded by the people we serve. This interview was recorded on January 16th during the Release Top 100 Impact Companies campaign. Kristen is a rock star CEO, and so I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Enjoy. Three, two, one. Welcome, listeners, to episode 30, 30 of the Real Leaders Podcast with Real Leader and CEO of Rescue Agency, the the Behavior Change Agency, Kristen Carroll. A little background on Kristen. As CEO, Kristen is focused on client success, business strategy, operations, and the growth of rescue. She has built her career around a purposeful commitment to work that promotes healthy people, lifestyles, and communities. Kristen brings Rescue a broad range of corporate experience and perspective. She went from the big ad agency world in New York City to the Partnership for a Drug-Free America, where she led creative development for the historic $150 million Office of National Drug Control Policy media campaign. Kristen drove across the country to help build Active Network's media and marketing division from startup mode to a $40 million business working with clients like Toyota, PepsiCo, and General Mills. 
Under her leadership, the group earned the number 15 spot on the Promo 100 in 2004 and named among Promo's top 10 fastest growing agencies from 2006 to 2008. She led communications through an initial public offering in May of 2011, spearheaded a community-wide rebrand, and was part of the executive team who later closed a private sale of the company for $1 billion, with a B, dollars. Kristen, thank you for coming on the show today to tell our audience more about yourself and how Rescue Agency is promoting healthier behaviors. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. It's a trip down memory lane, so appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. And Kristen, it's a special episode 30 because not only are you one of the really 100 winners, you claim the number one spot on the 2019 Top Impact Companies of Realtors Magazine. So congratulations to you and everyone over at uh, the Rescue Agency. Thanks so much. Yeah, we were surprised, shocked, honored, all the above. So yeah, super excited to receive that honor and be among some great companies. Well, let's let's hear a little bit more about it. Let's start off kind of about Rescue Agency. You know, when was the company founded? What is the mission and what does it mean to promote healthier behaviors? Great. Yes. Rescue Agency uh, or Rescue the Behavior Change Agency is certainly a mouthful. So we often just refer to ourselves as Rescue. Uh, Our mission as a company is to make healthy behaviors easier and more appealing. And we do that by working with uh, government agencies and nonprofits primarily to find ways to market healthy behaviors. So we do a lot of work in tobacco prevention, opioid education and misuse education, nutrition and obesity prevention. We run after school programs for some cities and counties across the country. Um, And we're really all about finding ways and finding opportunities that we can make healthy behaviors easy and more appealing. Uh, The company was founded in 2001. It was part of a tobacco prevention program in high school. He went to an event and essentially saw that this event was totally lame and that it wasn't going to convince anyone not to smoke. In fact, the kids that were at this event, this tobacco prevention event, were all the kids that already didn't smoke, right? So it wasn't going to change anyone's behavior. And at that time, uh, at the ripe old age of 17 or 18, he convinced the Southern Nevada Health District to uh, give him a contract instead of a large agency who had the contract. And he started putting on tobacco-free events around uh, his hometown and was able to find the at-risk kids, find ways to communicate to them, and find ways that he could ultimately change behavior. And so over a period of about 10 years or so, he was able to really think through what does it really take to shift behaviors? What are the values, the identities, the associations that we have with behaviors that oftentimes we don't even really realize, right? And how can we present behavior in a new way where we're never telling anyone what to do, but that we're giving them a way that they can integrate healthy behaviors into their own lifestyle. Um, At the same time he was doing that, I was at the Partnership for Drug-Free America in New York City. I had started out my uh, career in advertising. I worked on General Motors at one of the best agencies uh, in New York. And it was super exciting, but I felt like advertising could do something more powerful and, and different. Um, so I quit my job at the, under the duress or the misadvice of my parents. And I found another gig. I had seen an ad week that the office of national drug control policy was going to be partnering with the partnership for drug free America. 
I wrote the head of the partnership for uh, Drug Free America a letter and said, I want to work for you. And within two and a half months, I was there. Um, so I spent three years at the Partnership for Drug Free America working with ad agencies all over the country. My job was to call up creative directors at Ogilvy or Merkley Newman Hardy or Deutsch, some of the big agencies at the time, and convince them to do work for us for free. Um, and we put together ads that were all about helping parents talk to their kids about drugs. We work with um, musicians, skateboarders, you know, big partners who were part of our campaign and helped to spread the word. But it was probably the first time there had ever been such a really big effort to educate people about the risks of drug use um, and also to educate parents. So that was a pretty exciting time. Both Jeff and I came from a place where we knew that there was something more that could be done with communications. And that's really where Rescue sits today. Crazy story, crazy story, and a great story indeed. Uh, Kristen, uh, just hearing the, how the, the co-founder uh, was in a, co- or in, a, in a meeting, an assembly, and they came uh-huh. in they said, and basically gave them the, uh, the quote-unquote just say no speech. Uh, Something like to, that. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's very ineffective. And as somebody who has um, started a nonprofit as well, uh, when I was in high school, I felt the, the same way. Uh, we would have people come into our classrooms, uh, police officers come in and, and say, don't do drugs, they're bad for you. Um, and it wasn't until I had a family member that had been infected um, by the opioid epidemic that mm-hmm. we started uh, bringing our friends um, that were in the high school to uh, go into assemblies in eighth, for eighth graders coming into high school mm-hmm. and to tell them about the experiences of what our family members had gone through and that this thing is real. Um, but but now, you know, you have something like Rescue Agency who is uh, sending these messages in such a creative way um, to the masses. I mean, we've all been, uh, whether we're listening on SoundCloud or, or listening or, or watching YouTube, we've all seen the commercials. Uh, and they're funny. Um, they're, 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 they'll get your attention. And they're very effective on the way that you think in um, about uh, tobacco or marijuana use or, or illegal drug use. Um, so uh, we can't thank you enough. It's an, an, an exciting story. Um, but but let's, let's talk about um, what you just said. I had to go to these agencies and say, hey, uh, can you, we'll do some ads and we, uh, we want to do it for free. You know? mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, this is back in the day where um, there weren't ads or there wasn't a business or a thought process around behavior change. Mm. But, you know, at the time I was calling up the creative director of Ogilvy or J. Walter Thompson in Chicago and saying, look, you know, there's an opportunity here where we're going to educate parents or we're going to share what the risks of marijuana are on the developing brain in front of some of the best creative minds where you can present your work. And then if it's approved, you know, we'll help you produce it. And that was my job. Um, And without a doubt, every single creative director that I called said, yes, sign me up. Um, One in particular who was in the Chicago area, they work at a lot of consumer packaged goods companies. Um, He said, you know, I'm so excited to work on something other than Kraft macaroni and cheese. Right. And, you know, I think the, the insight for me at that point in time was that there's a huge amount of, uh, huge amount of talent and there's creative people in, you know, places like advertising agencies that want to do something more. And, you know, I was able to give them an outlet to do that. But in the time since then, and and really what rescue is all about is much more sophisticated and much more purposeful about the work that we do. 
So in other words, rescue doesn't create PSAs. We, in fact, cringe at the, 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 the word PSA makes us right. cringe. Um, it's a public service announcement, right? And we actually think that what we're doing by helping people quit smoking or by educating the risk of taking opioids or by giving them an opportunity to integrate healthy food and physical activity into their life in a way that fits them, that's not a public service announcement. That's something that is worth time, energy, and money to invest in. And we believe heavily in that. We want to make sure that we're getting the smartest people to think about that. At Rescue, we have a team of PhD public health researchers that really understand each of the public health issues that we work on from the very first kind of step of any project. Our goal is to understand the target audience, what motivates them, what are the behaviors that they exhibit, what's important to them, what are the values and the identity that we can really tap into to help think through how do we allow them to change without that change being a burden, right? Mm. We are not about telling someone what to do. Um, everyone generally knows they should eat healthier, for example. Do we all do it? No, but there are ways that we can actually introduce healthier things into our life that may be easier. And that's part of what we're thinking about are how do we make this, you know, not something that's a chore, but something that's aligned with our values, our interests and our lifestyle. And I think if we thought about things in a different way like that, you know, there's a huge amount of opportunity for change among all of us. And now a quick message from the companies who made this podcast possible. Hey listeners, if you're a fan of the show, you've probably heard me reference impact investing often. It's one of the most effective ways to support clean energy and limit greenhouse gases to save our future. And I'm no expert in finance by any means on this subject, but I know who is. I'd like to introduce you to Arnerich Messina. Arnerich Messina is an independent investment advisory firm serving individuals and families, foundations and endowments, and corporate clients across the United States. With an emphasis on impact investing and specialization in private markets, the firm has become known for its forward-looking, world-class research and investment opportunities. You can visit them online at www.am-a.com to learn more about their investment approach and read the company's recent white paper, Impact Investing, Why, What, How. Again, folks, that's am-a.com. You can go on there and start investing in impact today. Well, Kristen, uh, you're mentioning so many different um, dynamics that, that you take into account before you produce an advertisement or something like that. You know, under your leadership, you know, what's been like one key factor uh, for driving this kind of growth? Yeah, I mean, I joined Rescue in 2014. And um, like I said, you know, the company had been around for quite some time. Jeff and his team were working with different states all over the country um, to, you know, learn and test strategies. And in 2012 and 13, the company was able to secure a large scale contract from the uh, Food and Drug Administration, their Center for Tobacco Products. Um, there was an opportunity to actually reach out to multicultural youth as well as LGBT youth and create a uh, tobacco prevention uh, campaign that was different. Now, the reason why those two special populations were targeted were because tobacco companies historically have gone after those groups. And so if you look mm -hmm. at smoking across the board, you'll see a general population rate. But if you were to look at multicultural youth, 
the rate of smoking is significantly higher to the tune of 30 to 40% higher. Really? Same thing wow. with LGBT young adults. And so what's happened is over time and through history, the tobacco companies were target, targeting vulnerable populations, right? Mm. So we came in and we were able to identify with the FDA, uh, what are the motivations and what are the drivers of some of this use? What are the ways that we can, instead of focusing on the demographics of an audience, think about the psychographics of the audience? What are the values and identity factors that contribute to tobacco use? And what would change someone, a young person's desire and or just, you know, uh, behavior to actually start using? We transformed the campaign for uh, multicultural youth into a campaign that was focused on reaching hip hop youth because it wasn't the color of someone's skin that was driving whether or not they were you know, using tobacco. It was the struggle and the lifestyle and the peers that they were surrounded by. Right. That, you know, they saw smoking as just a normal you know, part of life. Right. Their family members had done it. Their peers were doing it. And it was something that was very, very common in their community. Well, we were able these folks and they worked every day to overcome the struggle. And so the key insight there was how do we make sure that tobacco doesn't get in the way of you becoming your own boss, of you overcoming your struggle and doesn't become another thing that you have to overcome. Hmm. Um, we used real people to uh, launch the campaign. A woman named J-Star is an up and coming rapper. Um, that we used to launch the campaign. She told a story about her grandfather who smoked and passed away and how angry she was at the fact that that had had to happen to him um, and how she pledged not to smoke and that she wanted to, you know, be part of the solution instead of the problem. And the campaign launched in October of, let's see, 2015. Um, And it's been in market ever since. And it's grown with a groundswell of support. We have thousands and thousands of followers. We've done over 2000 events all over the country. Um, But then getting back to your original question, I joined at the point in time when, you know, rescue was going from a 40 to 50 person agency to a time where we had to balloon into 150, 100. Now today we're 195 person agency. Um, And it really was all about how do we take all of this amazing science and this understanding of how people behave and how do we build a business about it that can scale and they can also tackle different issues, right? A lot of the work that we started out with was in tobacco control primarily because of the master settlement agreement against tobacco companies that provided a significant amount of public health funding. Um, But now, you know, as we've been able to evolve as a group, we've been able to tackle different issues and they all are equally important and they all have, you know, very different perspectives that we need to keep in mind um, when we approach them. Well, it it seems like as, as the awareness increases, the tobacco use decreases and Mm -hmm. you can see, um, you know, results from the CDC. Um, I'll just read out some stats here. Uh, tobacco use has declined from 20.9% in 2005 to 15.5% in 2016. But Kristen, as you know, the, the, the game is always evolving, um, especially amongst the younger generation uh, now with e-cigarettes, uh, uh, you know, the common jewel uh, in vapes. You know, uh, how, how does this affect your business and, and what are you doing to combat um, this innovation? Yeah, I mean, the challenge is both that, you know, on the whole, you know, statistics go down, but among those demographics that I mentioned before, like among hip hop youth or country youth that live in rural communities, like the statistics are much higher. 
Mm. And so you've got to also look at those specific right. uh, groups of people to really understand where the use is happening and how to make sure that you can focus on what can be changed, which is versus what has already been changed. And you're dead right. Um, vaping is, is, you know, what they would call an epidemic at this point in time. The monitoring the future study that just came out in December um, shows that there's a 43% increase in teens who are using um, vaping in the last 30 days. This is the most significant increase in any substance use in the 43 years that they've ever been um, monitoring uh, different substance abuses overall. And so the challenge here is that um, e-cigarettes were originally created to be a harm reduction tool, meaning they were designed for smokers to get them off of smoking. The challenge in the public health community is that the growth is not just coming from former smokers, the growth is coming from young people and the chemicals and the uh, effect of those chemicals among, you know, on young people is still unknown, right? And there are chemicals and we don't even have longitudinal information about the health impacts because it's such a new technology. It's scary. It's really scary. And when you see a, a Altria big... in December made a 30% investment in um, Altria, i.e. Philip Morris made a 30% investment in Juul. Yeah. So Juul is no longer an independent startup out of Silicon Valley. They are now backed by big tobacco. Yeah. Um, and there will definitely be changes as a result of, um, you know, big tobacco getting involved in this market. And, and so I, I can definitely see this is something you're passionate about. So I want to back up a little bit. You know, you're telling me about working with the corporate clients um, and, and working in a corporation. Um, you know, do you feel like your purpose has changed in your career? Do you feel like um, you have a new motive and that this is something that keeps you going every single day, whereas opposed to your, your, your past careers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, um, being at Rescue, I feel like my career has actually come full circle. You know, I started out, like you said, at the big ad agency world. I worked on General Motors, which was awesome. It was yeah, a dream was account. In New York City, it was a great place to be. The, the job was great. Um, but I grew up in the Northeast with lots of snow. And I came out to California and said, wow, I had no idea people lived this way. <laughs> um, I ended up moving cross country to San Diego. I started uh, at a um, startup, a tech startup is called active.com, or you can go online and register for events. So running races, triathlons, et cetera. I was a big runner. I was a triathlete. Um, but I spent 13 years there. Um, and I put together programs to help connect big brands like Toyota or General Mills, Wheaties to people who are active lifestyle consumers as well. So while it wasn't as much of a nonprofit type of background, I was still working in a healthy kind of community space. And that was really exciting. As a company, we powered technology that supported park and recreation departments, event organizers, little league baseball, campgrounds, you know, all different types of activities. Um, and our mission as a company became to make the world a more active place. Um, but at that organization, I experienced a lot of change. Um, it was less than hundred people when I started, it was 3,600 people towards the end of my tenure. Um, we acquired 31 companies in the period of eight years. We went public and then we went private. So I got to see a lot and experience a lot in terms of how organizational structure actually impacts the work that you do, the mission that you have, and the ability for you to carry out that mission. Um, which is why, part of why, you know, as I came to Rescue, um, we made Rescue a B Corp, you know, within the first six months of, of me joining. 
Yeah, I was going to say, so uh, explain to our audience who might not know what a B Corp is. You know, why, um, why make Rescue Agency a certified B Corporation? Sure. Well, Rescue already had a strong mission and they were already focused on the type of work that they knew was most important to changing behaviors. Um, what a B Corp is, it's essentially an opportunity for a company to go through a test of third-party standards to make sure that they're transparent, that their business practices are sound, and that ultimately they're both contributing to the bottom line, but also the community around them. And after experiencing you know, a lot of change um, in my previous organization at a corporate standpoint, you know, we had a sound mission also. We were very clear about what we needed to do. But in times of financial difficulty, um, those, those clear missions and those ideas and ideals of what you want your business to be can sometimes change. At the time, we were a public company when we were having financial difficulties, and we no longer had the opportunity to solve some of those financial problems ourselves. Our board decided that we were going to sell the company. Um, we sold the company to a private equity firm, and this is all business. So it is totally normal course of business. There was nothing, you know, kind of that should not have happened. But what did happen was that the mission of the company was chipped away. And our ability to focus on the type of work that we wanted to focus on, that we knew was directly connected to that mission, became more challenging. And so what a B Corp does is not only allow you to pass the certification, but it requires that within two to three years of you passing that certification, you change the legal structure of your organization. And when you change the legal structure of the organization, you become a benefit corporation. And the mission of the company is built back into the corporate charter. So that if and when, you know, there are any challenges or there is any question about how you, you know, chart your path forward, you can be sure that you're balancing the benefits of a shareholder, which is what the purpose of a company actually is, and the mission of the organization. And so you're not choosing one or the other, you're balancing those two interests. And we just wanted to make sure that we set rescue up for a sustainable future over time. We never anticipated that our mission was going to change. We didn't anticipate that, you know, uh, we would have trouble or, or, or issues. However, we wanted to make sure that we were protecting what had been built so far. Um, and that's been an important part of how we've set up the company and, and also an important part for our employees. And, and you're continuing to grow, obviously ranking number one on the uh, really top 100 impact companies list. Um, with all this growth, uh, what are some of the unique challenges that Rescue Agency uh, is facing along the way? Yeah, I mean, it's been really interesting. We were um, on this real leaders list this year. Uh, we were on the we were on the eighth 5000 list for the fastest growing private companies for the 10th year in a row, um, which is fairly rare. And we were also recognized by B Corp. Um, but extras that are just nice to have, you know, what we've been really focused on is making sure that we do great work for our clients and for the communities that we serve. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, we did a lot of work in tobacco prevention for years and years. We still do that work. Vaping and e-cigarettes are going to be something that all of our clients are asking about. We're doing a lot of research around that right now to better understand how do we effectively communicate a powerful message. That is also backed in science. You know, we're not trying to scare anyone into not creating, not doing a behavior. We want to make sure people have accurate information. Um, the opioid epidemic has also been, you know, a huge public health challenge. And a lot of the headlines that you'll read in the news today, they're focused on the point of crisis or the point of treatment, i.e., 
people are dying and therefore we have to do something about it. But what rescue really does is we deconstruct the origination of the problem. Mm. Why are we having this problem? What is it that we can do about it? Who are the different populations that need to be communicated to? Um, we have different campaigns that are focused on recreational users, 18 to 24. We have uh, campaigns that are focused on you know, adults that are going to the doctor so they can be encouraged to ask questions. We have a prescriber campaign that's helping doctors to think through, well, how can they think of alternative you know, pain, medic, uh, pain modalities so that they don't have to just resort to opioids? But our goal is to prevent the issue, you know, from the start versus just treating at the, you know, end result in the end crisis. And then in nutrition and obesity prevention, that's a big area that we've um, grown into as well. So as we've continued to do this work, we see new issues where there needs to be new thinking about how do we do something different than what everybody else has been doing out there that clearly from a nutrition and obesity prevention standpoint hasn't worked in the United States. Um, so we're focused on finding ways to integrate healthy behaviors into someone's existing lifestyle. Wow. Well, it sounds like you're almost like reverse engineering the problems. I mean, you're, you're taking it apart, you're diagnosing it and figuring out some innovative ways that can create some behavioral change. It's very interesting stuff. And I can see why a company like yours is growing so fast. Um, but uh, what about uh, you, you mentioned earlier about uh, marijuana? What about mm -hmm. uh, states that are now legalizing marijuana and how does that affect your business? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so legalization of marijuana is a fascinating topic. Um, marijuana is now legal in some ways in the 25, in places where 25% of the American public actually lives, um, which is a pretty big number for a substance that previously was, was uh, regulated and highly regulated. Um, you know, rescue's position as we think about, you know, marijuana is, you know, our job is not to come out and tell people that um, they shouldn't be doing something, but we do have a role in helping to communicate to at-risk audiences that marijuana could be problematic for specific groups. So, for example, California legalized marijuana uh, not too long ago, and we were the first agency that was able to put together for the California Department of Public Health a campaign that was focused on, number one, helping to communicate what the law was. So one of the biggest challenges as states actually change the law is that people have an enormous amount of misinformation. They don't know what's legal. They don't know if they can carry over state lines. They don't know what they can buy. They don't know if they can use and drive. You know, all of these things become, you know, new messages that need to be communicate, communicated because regardless of whether or not people use, they need to be safe and they need to follow the law if and when they use. Um, the other challenge is that marijuana has, you know, from a science perspective, proven to be a challenge for developing brains. So young people who are using marijuana, their brains are not yet fully developed and there is scientific evidence of it impacting, you know, their ability to, you know, reach their full potential. Um, pregnant and breastfeeding moms is also a very high risk audience, which is really interesting. Interesting. It was fascinating to me. Um, some pregnant and breastfeeding moms are using marijuana to curb morning sickness, for example. It's an all-natural remedy is their, is their rationale. Um, the challenge is that there's not enough science to really be sure that your baby would be safe. Um, and so we are not about alarming people, but we are about educating people about risk. And then the last with marijuana is making sure that parents know how to talk to their kids. 
Um, it's super confusing. And as a parent, for example, if you've used, how do you tell your kid not to? Um, we try to help them understand how to navigate those conversations and how to make sure that they're respecting their child. Um, and, and so with all of this change, with all of this um, influence, these advertisements, this research, uh, is there one achievement that you are most proud of? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that, um, that I would mention as we think about these types of campaigns is that, you know, they go beyond, they, they go way beyond advertisement, for example. So um, while we do create ads, because that's what's the most visible thing that people are able to see, they're like, hey, I saw your ad, that's great. What we're really trying to do is create an environment and tools where people are given information at the right time, at the right place, where they're going to actually, you know, evolve into a healthier lifestyle. The work that we do is focused on, you know, three different stages. Um, the number one stage is health communications, like communicating risk in the decision blocks that are necessary when someone actually makes a choice. Um, number two is policy change. You know, in some states across the country, you can still smoke in bars. Um, and that indoor air is something that is not protected for individuals. We work with schools to create tobacco-free uh, policies at schools. Um, but those policies shift environments that ultimately shift behaviors. And then last, um, we work to change social norms and really to work making sure that healthier behaviors become the normal behaviors. Mm. So those are the, the three things that are uh, kind of super important. But what I'm most proud of, I think, is our ability to make sure that we're always grounded by the people that we serve. So in every project, like I mentioned, we start out with research. But we are always looking to put ourselves in our audience shoes. Do we understand, you know, what they're up against? Do we think through, you know, what their personal challenges are? Can we make sure that the messaging that we create is uh, focused on who they are versus what we think? Um, and our ability to do that is connected directly to our ability to create measurable, impactful campaigns. And so many of our campaigns are measured by either evaluation studies that our research team does independently, or in some case, third party uh, outside uh, research partners that are working to discover and identify the changes that happen over time. And we have to be super patient in behavior change because it does happen over a longer period of time than convincing someone to buy a new brand of car, for example. Well, I feel like uh, as a real leader, you know, you're always thinking uh, of long term. Uh, you're always thinking long term, thinking vision, um, especially as becoming a B Corp. You know, how am I treating my employees right when times are tough? Or, or, you know, how will my business be able to be sustained? Um, so what, what I'm going to ask you right now is, is Real Leaders Magazine, number one on the spot. What is your definition of a real leader? A definition of a real leader. That's a great question. Yeah, I think that um, our, our definition of a real leader, particularly in the space that, that we sit within, is someone who's looking forward to the problems that haven't yet surfaced and thinking about how do we solve those problems before they become, you know, bigger and bigger problems. E-cigarettes would be a perfect example. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we learn the lessons around how did big tobacco, you know, push cigarettes on young people the way that they did. And how do we make sure that we're a part of preventing the same thing from happening, you know, when we think about the e-cigarette trend that's going on right now? What lessons could we have learned and what can we prevent today? 
Um, and also thinking about the health issues in a way where we're helping to really educate and lead people to a new way of thinking. One of the things that we've done at Rescue over the past couple of years um, is that we've noticed uh, a lot of our clients, a lot of our government agencies and nonprofits, they just don't have someone to talk about or talk with about the challenges that they're facing in their local communities. Um, and they also don't know about the new developments in media, advertising, and technology that they can use to actually support their communities better. So we created what's called the Agents of Change Summit. It's a gathering of leaders and luminaries from across the public health world. So the chief evaluator at the CDC, the head of IDO, design thinking, um, the head of obesity initiative with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, real strong leaders in public health come and share their perspective, their vision alongside of rescue. But then on day two, we have in media, Facebook and Twitter, uh, wearable technologies coming to share, here are the things that we are doing because we also want to promote health. And the goal here is to, in front of you know, government employees and public health officials, have really progressive conversations so that people can think differently and come out of the three-day you know, conversation with, wow, like there's so much more that I could do and there's new strategies and there's new tools. And so I, I think a real leader is someone who can really help move that dialogue forward for whatever industry that you're in and help be an agent of change, like our summit is called, um, to really make things better for the future. Well, Kristen, I think you exemplify what that means, um, especially you know, promoting healthier behaviors. Um, so, Kristen, thank you so much and everyone at Rescue Agency for doing what you do and make the world a better place, being a force for good um, and, and creating healthier behaviors. Uh, Kristen, lastly, are you going to be on the number one spot in 2020? Oh, you never ask someone who's on number one if they're going to be on number one again. But I will tell you that we're going to be Gotta doing some amazing things between here and 2020. Uh, we're going to have, you know, 700 people joining us for the Agents of Change Summit in February of 2020 in San Diego, which is going to be an incredible experience. We're looking forward to it already. Um, and we're going to keep focused on, you know, serving the communities that we know can use our help and helping to make healthy behaviors easier and more appealing. Well, Kristen, thank you for coming on the show today. And folks, if you want to see more companies like Rescue Agency and the, the 99 other uh, winners, uh, go check out your magazine. Uh, you can find it online at real-leaders.com slash subscribe and in newsstands around North America um, come January 23rd. Oh, that's right. I don't want to forget. Go online and, and use code FREE100. That's code FREE100 uh, when you order a year subscription and pick up that magazine for free for free folks um all right folks thank you everyone for tuning in today um and and people who asked a couple questions i hope they were answered um kristen appreciate your time and everything that you are doing and thank you guys for doing what you do because being able to shine a spotlight on the companies who have a double bottom line triple bottom line is something that hasn't been done in the past it's new um, and it's super important to being able to use business as a force for good. So thank you guys for what you're doing in celebrating those, those companies. And we're not stopping anytime soon. I guarantee you that. Awesome. All right, Kristen. Thank you so much for your time, folks. 
Always keep it real.